everybody. This is John Forrester with Out of Character, recording on our brand new Yeti microphone. I'm very excited, so be patient with me if I have to uh, tweak this a little bit. Today we're going to be doing another round of GM tips. I know you guys are probably sick of these. I apologize. There will be some more actual play stuff for you. We are going to be recording the first round of Lost City this weekend, and there's talk of something else that I'm excited about that we'll get to later. But for today, GM tips. We've done a lot of like little interesting like how to do this, how to deal with this, how to handle this scenario in your campaign today. And I, I wanted to just kind of, I realized I hadn't really done like, okay, that's all good, but how do I GM? I don't consider myself an expert on it. I GM a lot of games, so I have learned a lot thanks to the players who are patient with me and thanks to you know all the people who have supported me along the way. These are things that were helpful to me. So I'm going to share six tips that I think will help you as you grow as GMs and Dungeon Masters. And The first tip is say yes to your players. Seems pretty simple and straightforward. If you are a GM and you want to have a, a good experience with your players, try to work with their ideas. You know, if they say, if they come up with something that's a little bit out of the box or crazy, go with it. I mean, don't be completely ridiculous if they say they want to... Uh, for example, if you have a group of players who are trying to rig an archery contest, they, they've decided that uh, you know to curry favor with the locals, they're going to rig this archery contest in some way, shape, or form. How are they going to go about doing that? One of them decides that he is going to, uh, he's a cleric, he's going to invoke Corellin to guide his arrow, because he's kind of against the whole cheating, he's going to rely on divine favor. There's so many awesome things that you could do with that. Um, you know, you could go with just like, okay, me personally, I say do a religion check or, you know, don't even do a role for that. If you think if it's a really cool moment for the character, okay, you feel at one with your god and your arrow hits the bullseye perfectly. It could be a really cool moment. It doesn't have to be a mechanical thing. Or if your players are saying like, uh, are there any barrels of, you know, uh, gunpowder on this ship that we're trying to destroy or sabotage yes even if you you know didn't have any on there you may want to throw a few on there again it gives the players the feeling that they the world is not working against them constantly you don't always have to say yes if you don't feel like it adds anything to the story if they walk into a blacksmith and they're like hey are there any vorpal swords here that's a time for as a jam for you to say no there are no vorpal swords here Use your judgment. If it's something that enhances the story and makes it more fun and engaging, try to say yes, even if it's not something that fits with how you perceive an event going on. Um, so that's tip one, is just say yes to your players. The second tip I have for you guys is have ideas, not plans. A lot of times I see GMs struggle because they sit down and they map out these really intricate uh, adventures and okay so first they're going to start off in the town and then some wyverns are going to attack they're going to chase the wyverns and they're going to find out that there is a wyvern master living outside of town and they're going to he's going to be the main enemy and that's going to that's what's going to happen okay well as any gm will tell you or any dm will tell you that's fine there's nothing wrong with having a plan of what you want to have and if that's your idea of you are in a town, and wyverns attack, and why are they attacking? Well, there's this guy, he's a wyvern master. Okay, fine. Having intricate little rails for your party to follow, they're going to ignore them. Unless you absolutely force them to follow it, a lot of times they're going to go over here and do something you never thought of. That's one of the great things about a role-playing game. It can go in a direction completely different that makes 
your idea better even in some, in a lot of cases. If you are playing a game and one of the players is you know you arrive in a city and they say uh, I want to find uh, I'm going to go look for the library. Now if you didn't write in a library. Uh, there was nothing in your plans for a library. Again, working with the first rule, say yes to your players. Yes, there is a library. Having ideas about things is going to make your life a lot easier. It's going to make you better able to adapt to what's coming along. When you have your plan and, and everything has to stay in there to fit, you are going to struggle more. Like one of the things you're going to bump into a lot is NPCs and characters that you didn't plan on dying getting killed. This is just going to happen. If you have an NPC that is so important to the story that their death is going to completely change it, that's fine. You can do that. There's a lot of things you can do as that character, like you know, bring the, bringing the character that died back from the dead or swapping out a different character. Again, this is just a simple idea of have a thought of what you want to do, but allow it to change and evolve and grow over time. Don't you want to have a rough sketch. You don't want to have a finished portrait that you show up with and show your party and say, this is what I made. And then they just kind of ooh and all over it. There are a lot of people who GM that way, and there's nothing wrong with it. But if you want... I, I think that the GMs who, who act differently and just kind of run with things and let them evolve naturally and fluidly, those are the games that you remember more, and those are the ones that you're going to have a lot more fun with. And those are the ones that are going to be easier for you as a GM to run because it's going to cut down on your prep time. Instead of spending 16 hours running a game, you spent, you know, or spent, instead of spending 16 hours preparing to run that game, you only spent 12 hours. Tip number three is what I call the horseshoe rule. Here's what the horseshoe rule is. If you go to the Penny Arcade website for the webcomic, Penny Arcade, if you go on their forum, there is a, uh, a subsection of the forum called the Critical Failures Forum. If you look on there, you'll find... If you look around a bit, there is a, uh, a person on there who's a legendary GM of a play-by-post game. His name, is, his username is Horseshoe. He was one of the GMs who I aspire to be like and continue to try to be like to this day. His, the, the rule for Horseshoe, and the reason I call this the Horseshoe rule, is because he's the guy who inspired me to have this rule as I was starting out in games. Because most of the games I ran early on were all in my own little universes. I ran a lot of like mutants and masterminds games or things like that where people could just do whatever and it didn't matter because there was no established universe. It was just, here's the world, run around and have fun with it. It's a sandbox world, which that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But the horseshoe rule is basically let your players shape the world. Let your players have an impact on things that are going on around them. I know that sounds really straightforward, if you're doing something in an established universe like Star Wars, Firefly, Forgotten Realms, anything that has you know a, an established world around it, if you say like we're going to do a Star Wars game and it's going to be set during the uh, the Clone Wars, and your party is decided that you know I'm going to kill Anakin Skywalker, and that's that's what's going to happen. Now, obviously, I don't know how you're going to go about doing that. It depends on what level they fall at in that whole thing. But if they somehow manage to kill Anakin Skywalker, that's going to have an impact on things that happened after that. If you haven't seen the other Star Wars movies, Anakin Skywalker plays a big role in everything that happened after the Clone Wars. Again, don't be like, you can't do this because then this won't happen, or you can't possibly destroy this structure because it's so important, or... 
let them. We had. I read a game. They literally blew up a planet. Why? Well, that person was playing a Sith character at that point, so uh, that was an intimidation factor. Now, blowing up an entire planet, it was New Plimpto, for the record. So, not like they blew up, you know, Coruscant or Corellia or something like that. But yeah, the horseshoe rule is basically allow your players to impact the history of their world and the events. Don't just have, you know, yes, if something happened before they started playing, then you should leave that alone. But if they're saying, like, I'm going to, you know, uh, you can either save R2-D2, this little astromech droid, as your ship's being shot at, or you can, you know, eject and leave them behind. You leave them behind. That's going to impact things that happen. Let your players make choices. Let things, you know, evolve as they will. Don't be afraid. The, the fourth one I have for you guys is don't be afraid to make mistakes. It's going to happen. One of the first games I ever ran... It was a 4th edition D&D campaign. The players encountered a bunch of creatures that I put out in the forest. Uh, there was some giant ants. There was a uh, pyrolisk and a cockatrice. And the, But one of the, the first mistakes that I made was they encountered a bear. Now at this point, I had never GM'd a game before, and I hadn't learned quite how to stagger things. And the bear that they encountered was a much higher level than them, and it pretty much would have killed them all if I hadn't done some quick stat adjusting and just flubbed a few rolls to give them a chance at success. That's a mistake on my part as a GM. Now, you can throw really hard creatures at people that they're not supposed to be easily. That's fine. I hadn't intended that. That's just an example of like one easy mistake for a, a new GM to make, uh, just you know, overestimating how tough the party is or underestimating how hard a monster is going to be to beat. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to, you know, misquote a rule or misremember how a magic spell works or any of that stuff. It's okay. It's fine. If you make a mistake and, you know, it's like, oh, well, this magic, this magic spell we've been using wrong, so, you know, henceforth for, you know, the next game, uh, that, that's, we're going to change the way it works. Or we've been using this mechanic wrong and uh, we're going to have to change the way that we're using it. You're going to learn to interpret rules better and how to how mechanics work as time goes on. Don't fixate on it. If you do something wrong, just remember you're the GM and you're going to make mistakes from time to time. If it's a mistake that results in a character's death, that's the situation where you may want to look at that very carefully. I don't sit at my game, I don't sit behind my screen with my GM books and you know like everything right there next to me. I do have them on the bookshelf immediately behind me, so if something does come up where I feel like I need to reference something real quick, I can do that. I don't usually do it. But yeah, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't let that like fear of, you know, I'm going to say the wrong thing and the party's just going to think I'm an idiot. Generally speaking, most people I've played with are very understanding of GMs and they understand how much work goes into it and remembering all the rules. They're not going to jump on you because you, you know, forgot the radius of Thunder Wave. The fifth rule that I have for you is just, it's simple and straightforward. It's improvise. Make stuff up. And this kind of goes back to a couple of the other things I've touched on, which is, you know, have ideas, not plans. Every so often, get your friends together when you're, you know, maybe it's a slow week, you know, one of the players can't be there, your regular GM's not going to be able to join you for whatever reason, and you don't want to carry on with your main game. Just completely make something up right off the top of your head.
I promise you, it is one of the most... I do it consistently. I do it a lot with most of the players. Most of the games that I've run on this podcast over the years have been completely made up as I am running them. And obviously the exception being like modules, uh, like Horde of the Dragon Queen, I'm not making... Well, some of that I do make up, but by and large, most of that stuff does actually occur in the module. But yeah, improvisation is a really good tool. It's something that, as a GM, you can think of really quickly. Um, and just... It allows you to react and roll with those other rules. You know, uh, okay, I think that when you're having trouble with improvisation is natural. It's something that some people are going to take to very quickly, and it's something that other people, they like having the structure and the rules and the, you know, orderly list of what's going to happen and how things are going to work out. That's fine. And I'm not saying that you're a bad GM if that's the way you choose to do it. That's not how I choose to do it. And I think for newer GMs, just being able to throw something up off the top of your head is really fun. Uh, I ran a game this week. One of the guys, of course, as always, decided he was going to try to steal a sword. Well, they were in an elf city, and I decided that this guy, you know, he had obviously had magical training. He proceeded to, you know, shoot lightning at him as he ran out, and uh, it led to a huge chase all around the city. They were, like, rescuing people from burning buildings and uh, you know, one of they got, uh, they ended up smashing through a, a public restroom and, you know, it was, it was a fun, it was one of the most fun sessions we've had in a long time and it was completely made up. It was completely based off what the party was doing and how they were running. And I threw things in there. Improvisation is a good, is a, is a good habit to get into. It's something you can practice really, really easily. Go to, just do a quick one shot game. We've done, I do a bunch of them. We do them as, you know, fun little little side things that we can do just to role play without the, all the the grand sweeping stories which are fun but sometimes you just want to do a quick little jaunt into the uh, into the RPG world that's my fifth rule uh, you know improvise get get good at improvisation it will help you the sixth rule is the one that I think I'm going to take some flack for but I'm going to give it to you anyway and that's to have fun it's really easy when you're the GM to get bogged down and forget that you are sitting at a table playing a game in order to have fun. Yes, as a GM, you're going to do more work than the other players. I don't even think of it as work, to be honest with you. I like sitting around and coming up with ideas for campaigns and worlds and NPCs and all that stuff. If that is a chore to you, if that's really hard, then you're going to, you know, you find your own way to, do, to make that not a misery. If, whether that's using an adventure module or an NPC generator or whatever, if you hate sitting there coming up with character names, then don't do it. Use an NPC name generator. There's a million of them. There's, they're on GM screens. They're online. They're on every conceivable... I swear to God, one of these days, you're going to be like seeing a bus go by, and it'll have an NPC name generator on it. But don't let prep work make you miserable, because it's, you know, it's important, but it shouldn't be... You know, if you hate that part of it, if that part is making you not enjoy GMing, then there are ways around that. Again, adventure modules, name generators, all the buy a buy a book of baby names. I I know those like you go to like the bookstore and they have like the books of just all the the millions of like little kid baby names from around the world. Those things are incredibly useful as far as coming up with names. Me, I just make names up and I you know say them in my head a few times. If they sound halfway reasonable. I continue to use that name. You know, having fun, I, and again, I'm sorry if that sounds stupid, but it's something that I, I talk to a lot of GMs, 
and they get discouraged because they're not having a good time. If you're running a game, think about the kind of game that you want to play in. As a GM, your, your job is to make sure that the other players at the table are having fun, but if you hate everything about the game that you're doing, then maybe it's not the right game for you. Maybe that's not your style of game. If you find that you just you don't like running encounters that much, you you know you want like big encounters that matter and that are important. You don't want to run just hack and slash encounters. Then pick a system that favors that. Um, there are lots of systems that are very very story focused. You know it could be anything from uh, you know Fate is a fantastic system if you want to do something that is very much based on story. We did a whole discussion on Fate a few weeks ago. Look at uh, you know Fate Accelerated, great system. Fate Core, great system. You can pick up any of the little Fate one shot books. Those are all great for you know a quick little story focused game, or even you know something more long term. Um, if you find that you like mystery games, or you're you know you're you're into that sort of thing, think about the things that interest you and what because when you as a GM like what you're doing, your enthusiasm and your passion for it are going to be magnified. You're going to be a better GM. Your players will hopefully, well, your players will certainly pick up on that. Now, one of the struggles for a GM is you have to balance what you want with what your players want. If you're running a game for a group of players and they are just very focused on hack and slash games, they don't like mysteries, they don't like really the huge, they're not big into role play, and that's just the way they are, that's fine. There's a there's nothing wrong with that. You may not be the right GM for that particular group if that's not what you like. And you need to be able to recognize that in yourself. You need to recognize I really don't like uh, running these really big encounters and everyone wants to do these huge encounters every week and I just get miserable about it. Talk to your players and say, you know, this is like I want to do something that's focused on storytelling or I want to do something that's less of the hack and slash, less of the dungeon crawl, more like build a world. You know, and some groups will go with that, some groups will resist that, and maybe that will inspire someone else to step up and run that game. Uh, you know, you, you need to be able to enjoy what you're doing because you're going to be devoting a lot of your time to it. If you hate it, you're, you're never going to excel at it. It's just going to be miserable and it's going to weigh on you and, you know, I've run games that I didn't enjoy and I've continued to do it and continue to do it. And it gets to a point where you are just not looking forward to it, and it's a chore, and it's really hard. If you're starting out as a GM, one of the things that may be giving you a hard time, this is, and that there endeth the rules. Those are the six rules, just to give you a recap. Say yes to your players. Have ideas, not plans. There's the horseshoe rule. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Improvise and have fun. If you are starting out as a GM, and uh, you're struggling with the whole, you know, it's weird to be in front of people running things if you've never done anything like that before because public speaking is like I think is more fear than death which is funny at the same time because you know you have people people who are in your RPGs tend to be very reserved and quiet in public and then they want to be the orc bar half orc barbarian and kill everything in sight if you're starting out there are a couple ways to kind of wade into the water and test it and see how you feel about it one of the things I did when I was starting out was I ran a lot of play-by-post games. If you don't know what a play-by-post game, it is where you go online, you find a forum like the Critical Failure Forum, uh, subtop sub forum on Penny Arcade, and you just run a game. It's the same as if you were sitting at a table, only everyone types their posts up. It can be an extraordinarily helpful tool for you 
for a couple of reasons. One, you don't have that face-to-face -face thing. If you're not used to running games and you're nervous about that, it gives you that anonymity that you know is, is great for the internet. There's also another good thing about which is you don't have to come up with an answer right that second. You can take your time. If you're not sure about something, if you're struggling with figuring out how a system works or how something is going to, you know, how certain powers work within systems, you can, you know, very much easily put your computer or your phone down for a minute, look at the rule book if you want to, and come up with an answer. Or if someone comes up with something that you're like, okay, they just, oh wow, they killed the king. He was evil. We didn't know that. He was, you know, and he was he was trafficking with dark powers, but no one else knows that. This is going to have an impact. I don't know what to do. You can take a day and think about it. Uh, you know, so if play-by-post sounds like something, there are some systems that lend themselves really, really well to it, too. Like, um, I, I've done the Dresmethals RPG as a play-by-post a few times. It's really a fun game to play-by-post with because people tend to write like they're writing a Dresden Files novel, and reading through those, some of those are as good as the Dresden Files books. If you feel like you are running games and there's something that you can improve on, Ask your players. Ask them, like, did you guys... I always, Every game I end, I always tell people, like, I hope you guys had fun. What do you think? Did you enjoy what I did? And generally speaking, if there's something that people don't like, they're, they're not going to be shy about telling you. If people are like, yeah, well, I didn't really like this puzzle. It was too hard. I, I hate riddles. Please don't do any riddles. In fact, that's going to be my seventh rule for being a GM is listen to your players. Listen to them and try to tailor the game to what they like as much as possible while allowing yourself to have fun. If they are all like the encounters, there's too many encounters. Put in fewer encounters. That's that's easy enough to do. There's so many little tricks and tips to GMing. That's why I've done so many of these GMing things. But those are the, 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 the six, uh, seven rules I have for how to be a better GM. And I'm sorry if you guys are irritated because this is, I know I said we were going to do Lost City today. That just got pushed back. It will be recorded tomorrow. We will have that podcast for you next week, and we'll be doing actual play for the next two weeks. So you won't have to hear me talking at you for a while. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Thank you very much for listening. If you uh, like, if you like what we do here with the GM tips, you know, go on the blog, tell me, and you know, don't be afraid to reach out and tell me that you hate the GM tips or you love them. I I would enjoy that either way. Thank you guys very much for listening, and I will see you all next time. Bye.